When I was in seventh grade, I was the fat kid in my class. I was the one that all the pretty girls used to make fun of. Every day after school, I would come home and, you know, I'd flip through the pages of my mom's Vogue and Glamour, and I'd look at these women, these perfect, beautiful, just unbelievable, skinny women. Oh, I couldn't understand why I didn't look like them. I just didn't get it, so um, I became bulimic. You can read minds. Now, obviously, that's from Zuland, obviously. Bulimia does not mean you can read minds. Bulimia is an eating disorder, just as anorexia nervosa is. And with bulimia, one of the telltale signs is you induce vomiting to lose weight. You binge, you eat too much, and then you induce it in different ways. You use laxatives, you use a lot of different things, Anorex and people with anorexia can have that too, but it's more of a uh, yo-yo diet with bulimia, and it's very damaging to your physical body and emotionally too. And of course, if you have dreams, if you're overweight, and you would love to have the body that you see in a Glamour magazine or in a Vogue magazine, you may never have that body, but you certainly can take steps to be very self-loving and lose the weight in a self-respecting way, not through these eating disorders, but through a rational plan. You can go to a nutritionist. You can find a diet that works for you. I don't like the word diet because it usually is linked with deprivation, like you're ruining, you're ruining your fun. It's Instead of that, you want to think of you're going towards your goals. You're giving yourself the body that you've always wanted, that you would love, and you're exercising. You're actually moving into action, which people can dream about it, but you actually need the action part too, moving into action, eating reasonably. It's not that you're depriving yourself of the third piece of cake. You can have half a piece of cake and eat it slower and really enjoy it. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. I'm a clinical psychologist taking any of your calls and questions on any concerns that you would ask a counselor or a therapist. My number is toll-free, 1-877-DRKENNER. If you're all alone, pick up the phone and call. That's toll-free, 1-877-DRKENNER. You can jot that down and think of your question and give me a call. It's free advice. And, of course, it's not therapy, but and it doesn't replace therapy, but it gives you an opportunity to get some clarity on some issue in your life with your in-laws or with yourself or friends or family or kids or you name it, at work. So here's a person. Right before the break, I was talking uh, about an, a letter I received from Ade, and he said that he has major issues regarding his self-confidence, and you may feel that way at times about yourself, too. He says he's constantly trying to fit in with his group, and no matter what he does, he tries to please these people, appease these people, treating them with respect and humanity, and he feels brushed aside. He feels either their apathy or he feels treated with disdain or resentment, and his, his modus operandi is to always put other people before myself, and that's killing him. And I will say, yes, Ade, that will kill you. You're in the process of emotionally dying. Don't finish off the act. Don't commit psychological suicide. Rekindle your dreams. Whatever sparks, whatever interests you had in childhood, whatever you are good at now, 
Instead of thinking, will they like it? Will they accept me? Will they finally give me the pat on the back? Will they make me feel good about myself? Toss that in the dump. Get rid of that whole view of the world. Instead, you want to take a self-respecting view. You want to have a view of what do I like? What do I enjoy? What And start with hobbies. What hobbies do I like? What career would I like to go into? What job could I get that would give me a longer range goal of moving out of mom's home and having my own apartment? Can I do it? Might it be scary at first? Of course, of course. Every new change is scary. When I first went on radio, I had my own high levels of of, uh, cortisol flowing through my system, my adrenaline running, my uh, anxiety high. But when you try something new and then you find out whether you like it or not, if you like it, you get a tremendous rush of, wow, this is me. This is something I can do. You want to tie your identity to what you do well and enjoy. You need both of those. So you want to become what I called a passionate valuer. Someone who embraces your own life. It's the only life you'll ever have, so make the most of it. You do not need these people. If you're worried about the stuttering piece, let's take each piece. I've talked about moving out of your home eventually, so you're not living with your mom. But um, then that means you need a career focus and to gain the money so you can move out. Now the stuttering piece. I googled famous people who stutter, and guess what? There is a website with multiple pages on this, and I'll give you a few people who supposedly stuttered. Aesop, the Greek storyteller, he wrote a lot of fables. Uh, Lewis Carroll, Winston Churchill, Nat Hill Cole, Charles Darwin, the person who wrote The Origin of the Species, Demosthenes, who is a Greek orator, and Thomas Jefferson, another person who stuttered, Marilyn Monroe, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, George Washington, and of course the one that brought me to the website was John Stossel. I knew he stuttered, and look at what he does now. He's been on 2020 and on TV many times. Carly Simon, and even John Welch, chairman of General Electric, or I think past chairman of General Electric, CEO. So you have a lot of companies. Stuttering should not hold you back. You want to figure out how to work with it in anxiety worried about what people think of you obviously is going to tremendously fuel your stuttering. Uh, but what I would do is I would get I would get the book The Fountainhead. That's the book that shows you the difference between what I was describing as a passionate value or owning your own life a day versus always living in the shadow of others feeling like you're you do you're duty bound to live for them that's called altruism otherism people usually think of altruism as good but really it's a it's a cancer in people's minds you will still be friendly with other people but it will be based on your own self-respect you won't treat yourself like dirt anymore and start to take pride in your own thinking that you can think yourself through your problems and maybe even challenge the 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 stuttering maybe even have that be in your past as I stuttered just telling you that so you can also go to my website there are books there drkenner.com wonderful books prisoners of belief mind over mood that will help you challenge core ideas about yourself and put yourself on a much much healthier track so I wish you some wonderful wonderful success with that and I'm right now I'm going to read the next question I received and see what you think about this and I'll answer it after the break. 
Dear Dr. Kenner, I've been married for 18 years and have two kids. Ever since I've known my husband, he's always needed to be constantly with a male friend. He stops hang he's he when he stops hanging out with one friend, he finds another. This keeps us from getting close. Now his new friend of 6 years is his business partner in real estate. My husband never calls me on the phone, but he spends all day with this guy, has lunch with him, and dines at him with the best restaurants in Miami. When he comes home in the evening, he goes straight to the TV and then calls his friend four to five times in a row to talk about work, he says. He even calls him on the weekends. When we do go out, it's with the whole family, never time alone, and my husband's there in body, but his mind is elsewhere. I have to talk to him about this endless times we fight about it. I'm ready to give up on it. What should I do? Amanda, what do you think she should do? I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. And when we come back, we'll talk about how do you stay in a marriage for 18 years, a loveless marriage, and how do you disentangle yourself when things have obviously gone astray from the get-go. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and I'll take your phone calls toll-free, 1-877-DRKENNER. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by psychologist Drs. Kenner and Locke. What can you do to help safeguard your relationship against cheating? First, hold on to your moral character. Second, remind yourself of all the reasons why you love your partner and what the relationship means to you. Make these reasons objective by expressing them in words to your partner. Columnist Sue Schellenbarger gives another suggestion in her article, Honey, I'm Thinking of Having an Affair. She advises that you talk openly with your partner about being attracted to someone else while you're relationship is still on firm ground. Agree in writing, if necessary, that if either of you feel sexually attracted to someone else, you'll bring it out in the open right away. Also, discuss in advance what situations put you at risk. A business trip with a sexy co-worker, a holiday partner with an open bar. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com. <laughs> 